Let's pray, shall we? Father, just stay in God's presence. Just, we like to encourage people here that, you know, uh, experiencing God's presence doesn't finish when you finish worship. So, Father, we just uh, stay in your presence right now. Just keep coming to us, Father. We pray for revelation. Yeah, when you reveal yourself to us more, we want to go deeper into our understanding of you and your kingdom. We want to know who we are and whose we are, Father, because that just delights us. We want to go away delighted this evening because already you're delighted in us. So we want to go away delighted, knowing that we're delighted in and knowing that, you know, we delight in you. <laughs> it's Jesus Day. Happy Jesus Day. Uh, in our meeting this morning, Steph was talking about, you know, Jesus is happy with you. God is happy with you. So why don't you feel that, that happiness? Like just picture in your mind, picture the smile of God over you right now. Right? You are saved by faith and not by works. So whatever you've done today, however you feel about it, God extends his pleasure. He pours out his pleasure. He smiles at you. He's just delighting in you, wanting you to, you to be open in your spirit, in your mind, and even in your body to what he's doing tonight. Yeah. You are here for the purposes of God by the purposes of God and for the purposes of God. So, Father, just keep coming on us. Keep exciting us. Keep delighting in us so that we might delight in you. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Um, during the worship, I felt God say, reverse what you're doing. So I'm going to take the end of the sermon and put it at the beginning. Is that okay? If I hadn't mentioned that, you wouldn't know the difference, actually. But um, just for my own peace of mind, it's it's good when the preacher knows where he's going. Would you agree? You're not cared. You don't care, do you? Do you agree? It's good for the preacher to know where he's going. So I know where I'm going, even if you're not too sure now. Um, But really, I just wanted to emphasize what Easter is about. And we all know the bare facts, don't we? We know that Jesus died for us on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We know that on the third day he rose again from the dead. Actually, the bit of Easter that often gets mixed out, missed out is the thing that happens next, isn't it? Following 40 days of resurrection appearances that Luke tells us about, he then ascends into heaven. And it's right and proper that we should remember Jesus. It's right, you know, his death on the cross. It's absolutely right and proper that we should remember his resurrection. In fact, later we're going to take some bread and wine just to do that as he commanded us to. But actually in the process of looking at his death and then looking at his resurrection, it's important that we remember what happens next. Because that's where Jesus went and that's where Jesus has been for the last 2,000 years. So it would be very remiss of us to forget that, you know, for 2,000 years now, Jesus has been ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? You excited about that? That's why we can sing. That's what makes this all possible, folks. 
There is no power in the, resurrection, uh, the, the death of Jesus, or even the resurrection of Jesus for that matter, although it's difficult to work this out theologically, but you know, without Jesus being ascended. He is ascended. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is in control of everything. Say with me, he's in control of everything. He's in control of everything. He's in control of me. Just say that. He's in control of me. He's in control of them. That's the people next to you. (laughs) He's... I don't know how God does this. I don't know how God... Who's seen the film Bruce Almighty? Right, where Bruce is given... Or the... What's the actor's name? Jim Carrey, yeah. He's given God's power. Is it for a week? Or a day? And he doesn't know how to deal with all the prayers that people are praying, does he? So he tries yellow stickets. And all the prayers are coming in because he's being God. He can hear everything. And so he goes around sticking all this... How's he going to keep... And he thinks, right, computer program. You know, obviously, you know, put all the, all the prayers on a computer program. Well, how, you know, even that's not enough, because how can you keep up with it? So he just presses, or he ty- types in yes to 1,500,000 in, he got in the last second. Of course, later in the film, that gives him a lot of problems, because he's just said yes to all the lottery, you know, people who bought lottery tickets. And when the lottery is announced, they all get $5 each, because they've all won. <laughs> so... How does God do that? I don't know. It's a mystery, isn't it? But we know that Christ has ascended. Now, that in itself, that whole Easter story is amazing. But it's even more amazing because it's applied to you and to me. So Jesus died. Say with me, Jesus died. But here's the glorious thing. You died in him. So you say, I died in him. Jesus rose again from the dead, but you rose with him. Say, I rose with him. So there you are. You've got the new life, right? All your sins have been forgiven because you died to Christ. Sorry, died to sin and you're alive to Christ. Now you're alive with him and you're living in that life, but it doesn't stop there, does it? The gospel is completed by Jesus not only dying, rising from the dead, but ascending into heaven. And if you read, you know, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, you know that you are in Christ Jesus. You are baptized into his death, Paul says in Romans. You are raised together with him in his resurrection. And now you're ascended into heaven with him. So Ephesians 2.6, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's a funny old life, isn't it, to be in two places at the same time. But you are. Theologically, and not just theologically, but in reality, in spiritual reality, you are in heaven now. You're there. You've arrived. Haven't I got to do anything to get... No, hang on a minute. You're saved by faith through grace. It's all a gift of grace to you, isn't it? So the fact that you're there, that's already happened. When you repented of your sin, when you believed in Jesus... When you were united in his death, his resurrection, his ascension, that's it. It's the finished work of the cross. It's the finished work of Christ. Nothing now needs to take place for you to live for a glorious eternity with God. So sit back and relax. Don't even have to listen to the rest of the sermon. There are no extra points for being awake at the end. Although it will encourage me if you are. 
Whatever you do for the next 10 or 20 or 30 or 50, however long you've got to live, although God wants you to do amazing works, and here's the, here's the, the real trick, isn't it? You will do more amazing works when you realize your salvation is not dependent upon it. Because the same Christ who you're united with has prepared good works for you to do. Thank you, Jesus, that tomorrow morning I'm going to get up and there'll be good works for me to do. Sometimes we have to find them out. Sometimes, like William Booth, walking under the archways in London, comes home and announces to his son, Son, I found my destiny. And so the Salvation Army created this amazing social work that even now, you know, is a testimony to what God is doing in this nation and many other nations. Who knows that you're not going to wake up tomorrow with an amazing destiny. Why can you look forward to that? Why? Because everything that needs to be done to make that happen has been done. It has taken place. Now, I'm not saying that you won't have to explore your dreams or, you know, get training for various things. There may be all sorts of things that we have to do in order for those to make happen. It's not that we are just passive. But you have been delivered into an amazing eternal destiny with God. And as, you know, and that's not just something that happens when you die or Jesus comes back. If you sincerely believe that when you pray, as I'm sure you do, that God's going to answer, do you believe that God answers your prayers? Raise your hand if you believe that God answers prayer. It's a bit difficult to be a Christian and not believe that, isn't it? Then when you pray that prayer, and I prayed this when I was at school so many times, you know, I'm sure God, even though I was a godless teenager, you know, was still listening because all, you know, my teachers at school got us to pray the Lord's Prayer every day. And I sincerely believe actually that God was hearing me say that even though I didn't really mean it. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't mean your prayers. But I often think back, well, if I had a little bit of belief in that, then God has already honored that. You know, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth in the life of David Webster as it is in heaven. So you have an eternal destiny. That is not just going to take place when you die. It's actually opening up for you now. You see, I'm, you know, um, I know death can be a difficult process. As Woody Allen once said, you know, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it takes place. But, so it gets funnier, but. Can you imagine when you die, just, you know, when you're the other side of death? I mean, it might be quite painful. I'm not suggesting it should be, you know, I'm really praying for a peaceful death for you. It's quite a genuine thing to pray for. I mean, why should it be messy? (laughs) You know, so, you know, I just want to kind of glide into eternity. But all of us, regardless of what we've been through before we die, will stand on the other side and thought, wow. Look what just happened to me. I stepped from my eternal destiny into my eternal destiny. It was a seamless thing. Whatever happened when you died, that's not, you know, you have overcome death. What does that mean? It means that you're living a life now that is not going to be defeated by death. That's why Jesus rose again from the dead. That's why he had to conquer death, because death is the final enemy, isn't it? 
It's see, you know, it's like the enemy's final stab at God's creation. Look at that. It's being killed off. No, it's not. In fact, this is how God redeems death. He takes death and says, look at this. This will not interrupt these people's eternal destiny. What they're living now might be temporarily, you know, interrupted, but it will actually continue and actually be stronger than it was then. Because, you know, we'll have a resurrection body and we will, you know, there will be no illness, there'll be no sickness, there'll be no more sighing, dying or crying in heaven. Do you remember that song? No more crying there, we are going to see the king. No more dying there, we are going to sing if you know. No more dying there, we are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the king. That's right. Tunes go out of tune, out of tune. Tunes go out of date, don't they? So it's a shame we can't revive that one. If if any of our musicians, any musicians there? If you could do something just to jazz that up a little bit, we'd probably make it a bit more contemporary. But it's a great song. So actually, this is how you live your life every day, isn't it? It's what the Bible calls rest. I'm resting in the gospel. I'm resting in Jesus' death for me, Jesus' resurrection for me, Jesus' ascension for me. I've entered into my eternal destiny. That gives me great peace. Why is peace a fruit of the Holy Spirit? Why? Because God has destroyed death. He's, he's forgiven your sins. He's brought you into a place where there's no need to be anxious anymore. It's one of the most challenging verses in the Bible, isn't it? Do not be anxious, Jesus said. And Paul repeats it in Philippians 4. Don't be anxious about anything. Who's successfully leading the anxious free life? Just raise your hands. Some of you are a bit anxious whether to put your hand up or not. (laughs) Now... We all got in the back of our mind. That was interesting. I mean, we, we had a few half hands, but not many. So can, you know, the challenge to you is to live in the power of the Holy Spirit so you can fulfill what Jesus said you could do and Paul said you could do. And like Paul says, you know, the commands of Jesus, they're not burdensome. You know, if you... I don't know. I mean, there's a good side to this. We're far more aware now of mental health issues and praise God for that. And all down the years in kind of pastoral life in church, I've had people with mental health difficulties saying, I just cannot talk about it. Can you do something from the front to, you know, to kind of relieve us of this kind of the, the double anxiety of both having anxiety and anxiety about the anxiety? Never before, probably, have we had so much, in Western society at least, and still been so anxious about it. But you see, material possessions don't make you any less anxious. In fact, they, sometimes they give you more to be anxious about. Because you're worried about losing them or, you know, devaluing or whatever it is. But it should be possible for you to live a life of rest. So this is, uh, this is where I have to quickly go through my slides so that you miss the other ones and end up at the end. 
we talk a lot about identity, don't we? Knowing who we are in Christ. Your rest starts with what the Easter story is really about, which is that you are now seated with him in heavenly places. Yes, you've gone through the, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. You're forgiven for your sins. You've died to your old way of life. You're alive to God, but you're also ascended in heaven. Is it peaceful in heaven? So if, in, if you are intimately connected with the ascended Jesus, if you are what some people call living in the throne room, and what that, what that can mean in practical terms is I, you know, constantly reminding yourself that that's your true destiny. That's really where you live. That's really where Jesus is, although in another sense, by his Holy Spirit, he's everywhere. But, you know, Jesus is always the same wherever he is, so he's always bringing peace. But because you've ascended into heaven, you're in this place of rest. You know who you are, don't you? One of the anxieties of present-day society is that people don't know who they are. They don't know whether they're a boy or a girl, a man or a woman. You know, the whole gender confusion. You know, I keep saying to people recently, you know, Facebook did a survey of the different kind of gender identities you can come up. Now, Facebook came up with at least 70. You might be puzzled about how you get 70 different gender identities, but, you know, don't, let, don't get anxious about it. All right? <laughs> Raise your hand if you're a man. Oh, some of the men weren't quite sure then. <laughs> yes, Elwin, help your dad to rediscover his masculinity. Raise your hand if you won. That's a radical statement, isn't it? You just made a radical statement in our, in our, in our very confused society. You know who you are. You know who you are because you are Christ's. The death and resurrection of Jesus has brought you into God's family. You were adopted into his family. You discovered that God is a father who loves you and accepts you as you are. You are not only a child, you're a royal child. You're a son and daughter of a king. So you have this tremendous sense of rest in who you are. You are the people that constantly encounter God, aren't you? Who's encountered God this week? There are multitudes of ways you can encounter. Just keep your hands up. You're a radical group. Not only do you know you're men and women, but you're you men and women who actually encounter God. That's a radical. That's a. I mean, our society would consider you to be some of the most arrogant people in the world. What do you mean you encounter God? Well. You know, only the other day, well, God was just talking to me. Now, now people are beginning to think you're weird, aren't they? But we know that God has a multitude of ways of talking to us. He talks to us through scripture. He talks to us through prophecy, through dreams, through visions, all sorts of ways. Through our circumstances, through billboards, you know, on the underground, all kinds of ways God can speak to us. It's his creation and he loves to keep speaking to us. So actually your rest, your sense of who you are, is really bound up in you continuing to encounter God. So when you get anxious, next time you get anxious, remind yourself of who you are. 
You're the royal son and daughter of a king. Now, I know they're always before the cameras, but have you ever seen William and Harry anxious? Sure, Harry was out in Afghanistan. Um, they certainly don't project that kind of thing, because actually they know. I mean, when one of those guys, and the princess as well, they walk into the room, they walk into the room knowing that everybody's probably going to recognize them. Now, you can walk into a room and, you, you know, outwardly, no one's going to recognize you. But whatever room you walk into, who's recognizing who you are? There are actually four people, aren't there? You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a lot of people. And you have, you know, you have this amazing recognition. What's God recognizing you for? Not for your performance. Not for the good works that you may or may not have done that day. Not for the anxieties or the lack of anxieties that you've had that day. No, just who you are. There he is. There's my boy. There's my son. Um, I just left a social uh, event this afternoon at my eldest son's family. He had, had a lot of, lot of his friends around. And um, I'd said goodbye to the oldest son whose house it was. And, um, and I was saying goodbye to sort of the guests because, you know, we uh, know most of them. And then my younger son just pops up and says, Dad, you haven't said goodbye to me. <laughs> so we made a bit of a joke of it. Ah, oh, my son, you know, like, patting around. I was, I was not, you know, I forgot to recognize him. And he wanted a special, you know, he knew he was special. He knew he was different from all the other guests. And of course he is. And he was right to do that. And I was quite pleased, you know, that, that he did that. You see, wherever you go, whatever room you walk into, whatever situation you walked in, you walk in as princes and princesses. You walk in as the son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who you are. That doesn't make you arrogant. Again, you know, our royal family really good at this, aren't they? They don't go around saying, hey. I mean, they, I mean the queen doesn't go, hey, I'm the queen. You know, so I'm Prince Harry. Look at me. They just are. And that's on a human level. How has that come about? Well, you know, by their, their, you know, they've inherited it. They've kind of grown up with it. They've become familiar with it, haven't they? Our trouble is that very often we're not familiar with who we are. We don't rehearse the fact that actually we are princes and princesses. That we are sons and daughters of the king. We don't get up in the morning and look in the mirror and saying, you are a son of God. You are a daughter. Well, I don't say daughter, but I'm just saying this for the ladies. Because you know you're women and the men know they're men. We've established that. <laughs> but you look into the... I mean, just try that as a personal declaration. Look at the mirror and just imagine your crown. Because you have a crown. Why do you think it says in Revelation, we will cast our crowns before him? You have a crown because you are part of the royal priesthood. And you got crowned when you were born again. Although many of us weren't taught that. So we haven't really lived. We've lived a lot of our Christian life trying to be a Christian. when actually, we already are. Now, I know there's a working out of your Christianity, 
but there's nothing, let's settle in your own mind now, there's nothing you can do, either good or bad for that matter, but particularly here, we're talking about good works, there's nothing you can now add to your life that actually is going to improve your status. I have three sons. They were all quite successful in sort of the, the, the business world, and you know whether they make more money or more successful the rest of their lives won't actually change the fact that they're my children. They're my son. They'll always be my sons. If they're, you know, why we tie this happens, but you know, even if they are unsuccessful, even if they mess up, they are still my sons. In fact, I will want to emphasise that even more in their difficulties or their problems than possibly in their successes. And if a human father, you know, you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more will God be the perfect father to you? Whether you feel you failed him or fallen into anxiety in some area of your, of your life. But God wants you to be in this place of rest. Oh, you've got something flipped up there. Let's get rid of that. It's covering the crown. He wants you to live this supernatural life. And now there's lots we could say about the supernatural. But the thing I want to emphasize is you're hearing God every day. Who's hearing God every day? That actually, folks, is your birthright. You don't necessarily have to go on a prophecy course to get this. Right? It was lovely to see our kids up here this morning, if you were here this morning. You know, and uh, just without any warning, Steph says, right, everybody, come up here and bring words of knowledge. And we had a half a dozen children. This was the nine o'clock service. I, I don't know if it was like that, 11.30, probably was. And instantly she says, right, I want you to have a word of knowledge for somebody here. I want you to have the, the month of their birthday. And if you can get the day of their birthday, uh, we'll do that as well. And then bring them a word of knowledge about healing. like our and she says only if you're 11 or under I mean most of us will be looking at, oh I'm glad he said 65 and above <laughs> somebody once said you know if a, if a supernatural culture has got into the kids that's really got into your church and here we have you know why are children good at that why because they're childlike well, they're not, have to, they don't have to be childlike. They are children. How do you receive the kingdom of heaven? You receive it as a child, don't you? So we get too complicated. Let God speak to you. Ask God to speak to you from the moment you wake up. I woke up this morning at half past four. Oh my goodness. Why am I awake at half past four? And I've now kind of trained myself to to realize that something's going on in the spirit. I I lay there and I thought, okay, God, I'm just going to enjoy your presence. Uh, Now, because my brain is now awake, it's trying to overthink itself. Right? My brain. Does your brain do that? Yeah. You know, you sort of like, uh, you know, you sort. I don't want to think about it. It's half past four in the morning. Quite happy to be lying here, relaxing in your presence. And that that's all I did. Nothing came out of it. There wasn't any great insight, great revelation. And in fact, I got up at half past five and made a coffee. And that was, you know, so wide awake. 
but I've just been in God's presence, just listening for him. And actually on that occasion, he wasn't saying anything in particular. And uh, until I was in the worship here, and he just said to me, I, I, it was almost like I was still asking, well, why did you wake me up up past four, Lord? Was it, you know, <laughs> was it so I could preach better or, you know, something like there must be some plan. You're going to do some great miracle for me. He didn't know. I said, in the worship, he just said, I just wanted to be with you. Now, I hope he doesn't wake me up at four, up also every morning just for that. <laughs> Although, I've got to say, Lord, you're listening, I know. <laughs> he knew I was going to say that even before I said it. Um, which is kind of worrying. No, I mustn't be worried. Um, uh, actually, I don't mind if he does that. Do you? I just wanted to be with you. I just wanted to hang out with you. I mean... See, God doesn't have morning and evening, does he? He doesn't have half past four. Well, you know, he knows what time it is in England. But, you know, he's kind of living in eternity. <laughs> it's like, I'm just popping in, You're, you know, to time and space, and hanging, <laughs> hanging out with you. It's kind of a weird concept, isn't it? Here's another, here's another. Uh, so we've, we've looked at royalty, we've looked at encounter and supernatural. If you're to ask yourself, well, am I, how do I know if I'm really resting in God's presence? Well, here's a really good sort of acid test. Are you dreaming? Now, I'm not talking about the dreams you have when you're asleep. I'm talking about the dreams that you have for your life. You see, if you have changed from from death to life, if you've come into your eternal destiny, that's going to look like something that you can be passionate about, that you can dream about, and actually you can enjoy we went through a revolution in this church some years ago <coughs> where Danny Silk sort of turned up and said, you know, write down a hundred dreams. And on occasion, I managed 60. It's not bad, is it? That's because he said it doesn't have to be life-changing dreams. It can be, you know, go to the Caribbean on holiday. Or I've always wanted that, you know, that kind of, whatever it is, whatever your dream is, write them down. And start praying for them. Because actually God, you know, often we think, well, those dreams, you know, often we get caught here, don't we? Is this me or is it God? And now we have a default in this church, at least, where we try and encourage people. If something has arrived in your thinking, at least be open to the fact that it could be God and it's not just you. Because God, God, you see, Romans 8.32, if I have given you my son, surely I will give you a little bit of what you dream of. doesn't say that, does it? If I have given you my son, surely I will give you, say it with me, all things. The Greek for all means all. I'm sure the Greek for things is things as well, but you know, haven't checked that. All things, what does that mean? Well, surely it would encompass, I mean, is this something that you, put your hand up if you're passionate about something. You really want, you know, something that drives you, gets you up, thing, thing that gets you up on Monday morning, except not tomorrow, because it's bank holiday, Tuesday morning, you know, wherever it is, you just, you kind of live for it. Could be, could be your family, could be a passion that you have, could be your job, could be something that you, you want to do that you're not doing at the moment. That kind of dream, that kind of aspiration. You see, when you're at rest, when you know who you are, 
where you're secure in your identity, then suddenly you have the ability to dream. I realized when Danny Silk said this seven or eight years ago, that actually I'd stopped dreaming. I was plateauing. I was kind of just, you know, satisfied with what I got. Uh, in my life just generally but I'd stopped dreaming I'd particularly stopped dreaming about church and what church could be because that was my my calling that was my life and it kind of crept up on me you know, and whether it's tiredness exhaustion you know that sense of lack of breakthrough when's it going to happen and you can in order to protect yourself from anxiety You actually close down on your dreams. But actually, if you then discover who you truly are, and you are made to be world changers, that God put dreams into your heart to transform all of his world. You see, that's why you can transform the world. It's not just, it can be your job, it could be your hobbies. It could be your life calling, your life destiny, but it might be a whole multitude of things where you bring the presence of God into that, into that sphere, into that, uh, you know, that, that part of the world. So what is your dream? What is your dream about your work? What is your dream about your family? What is your dream about your community? What is your dream about our nation? At the moment, we're so confused in our, in our nation, there's not much, it doesn't seem there's much room for dreams. Actually, folks, it's almost like the financial world, isn't it? You know, when the financial world crashes, that's the time to buy the shares. Why? Because they're all down here and they're going to go up. And in the spiritual world, when the rest of the world around you is confused, doesn't know what it wants, not even sure of its identity, that's part of the question, only part of the question behind the whole kind of Brexit thing, we don't really know who we are, you know, what's it mean to be British and all that sort of thing, there's an identity crisis in our nation. Well, we shouldn't be surprised by that, because our nation has been spending several hundred years turning away from God, who is the true source of identity. It's okay to be British, it's okay to be Scottish, Welsh, Irish, French, who, whatever nationally, you know, there's nothing wrong about those things, but your true identity, your liberating identity, is that you're children of God, sons and daughters of the King of Kings. That trumps everything, doesn't it? And when you really know that, then God will release the dreams within you. So I'm going to invite you to stand, if you would. So I've, I've preached a slightly different sermon to what I thought I was going to preach. But I was going to talk about sleep. Would you believe that? But anyway, <laughs> while you're still all awake, if you want to stay behind afterwards, I'll do that. Why don't we can all have a sleep? No, I'll do that another day. But I just felt God was, God was on that. Yeah? So I'll just invite you to close your eyes for a moment. Holy Spirit, just come. You've been upon us, Lord. You've been speaking to us. Now just come afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. (laughs) 
I almost feel like the Spirit is now ushering into you, into your royal identity. I know many of you have grasped hold of that and settled that in your own heart, but let God enlarge it. It's almost like the crowns on your head just straighten it up. You stand in the throne room of God. You died with him, rose with him, ascended with him. You are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and you are in him. It's not just that you're in the throne room, you're on the throne. (laughs) Because you are in Christ Jesus. There's no greater place of majesty. There's no greater place of eternal destiny. (laughs) So let, yeah, just encounter him now. Just encounter him now. Let him speak to you. And if you've got a bit dormant on your dreams or you think, well, is this ever going to happen, Lord? Is this ever going to break through? Then just start declaring in your spirit the dream that you have before God. I'm so so glad that God introduced me to the idea of declaration. I started declaring that I was a great book writer before I'd even written a book. <laughs> now, I knew I was going to write one. It wasn't, I didn't pluck the idea out from nowhere. And God had spoken sort of prophetically about it. But I, I started to declare, because a declaration is a declaration of faith. And faith always precedes what's going to happen. Same with healing, isn't it? We believe God's going to heal. We pray for the healing. We release the healing and God heals. It's faith that will release your dreams. And faith, you don't have to work faith up inside you. Faith is a decision that you make. Step into the assurance of faith. And just declare in your own spirit, Father, I want to dream again. Or, Father, just take my dream to the next level. God wants you to invade this world with his kingdom. And he's calling out the dreams in you. Those dreams might be related to, you know, your life. I think, uh, I just got the, um, almost like a word of knowledge for those who are called into teaching. Or called into social care. Or social services of some kind. I think some of you, God's speaking about setting up a business. And he would, he would say to you right now, dare to dream. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. What have you got to lose? You're, you're going to heaven. You have an eternal destiny. And if I've given you my son, surely I'll give you all things. All things are yours, Paul says. 1 Corinthians 3. All things are yours. Everything in this world. So God will resource your dream. God will draw you alongside people who will give you help and advice. God will provide finances. 
Year after year in our school here, we have people just turning up, believing and trusting God. And God keeps, he's literally released probably hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of pounds for that to happen. For people to come into a place, it's almost like a dream factory. So just, just let him release those dreams in you now. Just get, just be restored in your determination to pursue what God's spoken to you. Just raise your hand if God's spoken to you about a dream that you have or dreams that you have in some way, either restoring it or giving you a fresh dream. Praise God. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we're just going to invite the band to come up. They're just going to play. And it'd be just great, especially on Easter weekend, wouldn't it, to finish by just going over to the table here, taking the breads, reminding ourselves of Jesus, whose body was broken for us. And their wine, if you're into non-alcoholic, there's some, the best I could do, I'm afraid, was apple juice, but feel free to use that as well. And when you're over there, maybe if you've just raised your hand, you'd like to ask somebody to pray and prophesy over you. Um, or if you'd like prayer for healing, then just grab somebody, somebody you know that, you know, sort of pray that does that, uh, and just pray uh, for healing as well. Is that okay? So.